1: Welcome in Rose City to Soccer Made in Portland, a special episode. Emergency pod. So- woo woo. Emergency woo, pod. Woo. Got the sound. <laughs> so, yeah, g- good job. We, we don't have the sound effect to add in this morning. Low budget. Uh, <laughs> low, <laughs> low, low budget. Low low time uh, for for editing. We, we appreciate and and Chris will you know give him a shout out as well. We, but we appreciate our, our pal Sean Meagher uh, editing. This podcast this morning uh, on short notice, as he's going to head to Eugene today for the Oregon football game. Um, But but in the world of football, uh, the Portland Timbers made an announcement, or rather, they uh, leaked, spoke to the media. Somebody spoke (laughs) to the media. um, We'll leave it. We'll leave it up to the imagination who who that was about. About the hiring of Phil Neville as the next head coach of the Portland Timbers, which um, if if you look at the reaction of fans on the Internet, which, as we know, is is not necessarily a reflection of reality. But in the case of the Portland fan base is a pretty clear reflection of what the most passionate fans believe. uh, The reaction has been severely negative to the point that, um, you know, not only are fans concerned about the uh, issues of sexism when it comes to Phil Neville and the, the tweets that he posted several years ago which he later apologized for. but um, in addition his his in their view lack of success on the field and something that uh, that has gained a lot of reaction not only online but just in the soccer community in general to the to the point where the Timbers Army, Came out and made a statement asking the Timbers to reconsider the forthcoming decision, which of course is not yet final. But we're we're of course speaking on it because it looks to be uh, finalized in the coming days. The Timbers Army asked them to reconsider and to to essentially look at the other candidates that they had in contention and sort of reevaluate uh, with with the intention, of course, that they don't want. Phil Neville to be the head coach. And that is significant for a supporters group. And one of the most prominent and outspoken supporters group is groups in MLS to, to sort of come out and make a statement like that. Um, but there's a lot of frustration and a lot of anger in, in the soccer community over this decision. Um, you know, what, what happens in the future, whether Neville does end up getting the job, which appears likely um, and, and, you know, what he does with that job and how he responds to these sort of questions remain to be seen Um, they're expected to introduce him early next week so we will keep an eye on that Um, Chris just just keeping sort of your finger on the pulse of the fan base and um, you know looking at this from an objective viewpoint um, what what is sort of your impression of of this decision Um, keeping in mind of course that uh, that this is a family show
0: it is, it is a family show. Uh, I, I, well, well, first, uh, I also want to start by adding in my thanks to Sean doing double duty uh, in service of, of sports journalism today on a Saturday. It happens a lot uh, in this line of work, uh, but huge thanks to Sean for, for doing this. The, the reason, by the way, we are recording this emergency pod on a Saturday morning, it is not yet light out, uh, is because we got other stuff. That we got to talk about, right? I mean, we've got the Thorns in the semifinal on Sunday. If they advance, we're going to have, I don't know, like a cup final uh, next week. And we just really didn't want to be having to trample all over the Thorns content next week, which will be richly deserved and manifestly important uh, with Phil Neville content. So, uh, so, so we're recording an emergency pod on a Saturday morning for your listening pleasure. Uh, he, Sean really made that happen. Uh, it wasn't sure that we were going to be able to get somebody to edit, which goodness knows we absolutely need. Uh, and so, uh, <laughs> absolutely critical. No raw, no you know raw footage uh, recordings being <laughs> being sent out there. Uh, and so, uh, huge thanks to Sean for making that happen. As part of that, and out of consideration for Sean making his life just a little bit easier here on this Saturday, I have to break my promise. I promised a few weeks ago, back when the idea of Phil Neville being hired by the Timbers was a mere glimmer in our eye, <laughs> that if the Timbers hired Neville, uh, that that there would be a, a non-family soccer made in Portland. It is with deep regret. That that and frankly, I, I made this promise when I was kind of like, there's no way this is actually going to happen. Like you know, there for all the reasons that we will discuss, there's no way this is actually going to happen. Uh, the Timbers aren't going to hire Phil Neville, so yeah. I it, like our friend Bill Oram, who who said he would eat his shirt if a WNBA team did not come to Portland. I now am in the uncomfortable <laughs> position of of I mean, I'm assuming the Bill's not going to eat a shirt. If Bill eats a shirt, then great also though i'm kind of concerned for him
1: uh yeah I, I i would hope that for bill's sake it's it's sort of a small square of cloth that maybe he applies some some form of sauce to i don't know what his plans are I, i'm I smoking a brisket today to maybe for, i can help him out yeah.
0: smoke smokes him smoke a shirt for him try to get some you know some flavor in there but a
1: little dry rub
0: yeah oh yeah, uh, So, uh, but I, but Bill and I find ourselves in similar shoes. Uh, so I apologize to everybody who, who has turned in today for the swears. Um, they, they will not be directly present. You might have to use your imagination, but if you use your imagination, you might be able to insert a few here and there to spice things up if you so desire. But if you want to keep the family involved, gather around the radio kiddos. So, so thoughts on the hire Chris. Oh, that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I've been like vamping like yeah uh, let's let's it's, talk it's about okay. anything else like yeah. uh, <laughs> <laughs> anybody want to talk about smoking a brisket uh nobody okay
1: what's what's your what's okay before what, what's your spice blend what are, what are we working I'm, on I'm, I'm a traditionalist
0: um uh, you know I I come from the the Aaron Franklin School of barbecue by which I mean I read his book um uh, and uh, the best I've I, I've found and the best technique that, that I like is about forty-eight percent salt, about forty-eight percent pepper, and then just a little bit of uh, dried garlic granules, um, liberally applied. I really want to let the, the the meat and the smoke uh, and the moisture that comes out of the meat uh, do the work in creating the bark. I, I don't want to add a whole bunch of uh, of other stuff. So yeah, I'm I'm a little bit of a traditionalist, uh, and and it it it's served me well. I think I'm I'm hopeful for today.
1: Anytime you smoke a brisket, you know the keeping it simple and making sure that the the meat itself shines. That's right. Is important. Um, feels like there may be a metaphor in there.
0: That's. Uh, the, I'm I'm sure there is somewhere. Um so okay. Uh, I guess I guess let's rip the bandaid off. The Timbers are set to hire Phil Neville. Uh, I'll start with the soccer stuff. Uh, his resume. You know, he's managed meaningfully two teams. He managed the English women's national team from, what was it, 2019 to 2021. Um, in that period, probably the high point was they got to the World Cup semifinal in 2019, lost to the United States uh, in the semifinal. Probably the high point of his time at the helm of the Lionesses. Uh, that high point receded pretty quickly, uh, as we got into admittedly a weird pandemic year. Um, but throughout the rest of 2019 into 2020, th- the lioness's form dipped pretty significantly to the point where I, it was barely just a year after the world cup, the English FA kind of came out and said, yeah, you know, Neville's contract is up next year and we're not going to bring it back. Um. He vamped for about six months before, before, before sort of ghosting uh, to go to Inter-Miami. Uh, it was, f- frankly, kind of the beginning of a golden generation for, for England. Uh, the England's track record since then has been phenomenal. Uh, the next year after he left, they won the Euro. Uh, it, it came home. Um, that is not something that's been done on the men's side in a very long time. Uh, and it came home. The women brought it home, uh, and the no no longer led by Phil Neville women brought it home. Uh, And then, of course, they went to the World Cup final last year, this year, whatever year it is, in 2023, they went to the World Cup final, losing uh, famously and now infamously to Spain. Uh, And uh, so I I think it's fair, you know, I mean, there there were some high points in Neville's tenure, but the trajectory was not good. They were worse when he left than they were when he got there and in the early stages. And that's I mean that that's that's not great. Um uh, you know I mean sometimes that happens, right? It, you know, you could say that about Gio Salvarese too, but there was a much longer arc. There were many more high points in Portland that he had before things kind of petered out. Um uh, and so I think that's that that's a little bit of a different story. Uh this was a pretty short and I think pretty disappointing arc for the FA. He then goes to enter Miami. You know, the, Miami's had some issues. He sort of came in on the heels of the sanctions being imposed from their blatant cheating bringing in, uh, what was that, the Blasma Tweedy signing? Uh, there, I think there were a couple. They had like five DPs. It was not great.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they were fined a total of two million dollars by MLS, and for MLS to to go out of its way to to um, you know do any sort of wrist slapping on on that front in terms of roster especially wrist game. slapping
0: in Miami, like that's a that's yeah, a pretty it, it sexy wrist to slap. It's, they're not the Colorado Rapids. Like if Don Garber yeah, would slap Colorado's wrist any day, right?
1: Yeah. And now, you know, you look at the way that they've built their team in the messy era. I mean, you know, it, it's <laughs> sort, of a, s- sort of a sort of a wink, wink situation <laughs> in its own right. But but I mean, yeah, for, for them to have taken that step was a significant one. Uh, and and so then you know, Neville took over at that point.
0: Yep. And, and so he came in on the heels of these sanctions, but it was still a pretty high priced roster that he took over. I mean, Gonzalo Higuain was there. They've had a number of of guys who have sort of been inconsistent in form but who are really well reputed players first year they were poor they missed the playoffs uh in in neville's first year the second year they did make the playoffs they finished sixth in the east uh kind of had his uh, a little bit of a, a renaissance um uh, brief but you know it was there uh gregoire was good I, and they they had a number uh you know they they had a number of good contributors and they were solid. They got bounced in the first round. They got absolutely gobsmacked by NYCFC in the first round. And, and so it was sort of a, a, a quick and unmemorable trip to the playoffs. Um, but they nonetheless qualified. And then 2023, <laughs> uh, when, when Neville was dismissed at the beginning of June, I think they were like 15 games in, if, if my memory is right. Uh, I could like take notes and write these things down before the podcast, but uh, as, as long-time listeners will know, that's in my mental notes. Whether <laughs> the accuracy of those mental notes is is is, is uh, in some dispute, but in my mental notes, they were about 15 games in, and uh, they were on about a point per game. They were dead last in the Eastern Conference when he was dismissed. And look, they had some injuries the roster wasn't in perfect shape. Um but I think everybody would agree they shouldn't have been dead last. And I think the first people who would agree with that are Inter Miami <laughs> because they fired him. Uh and and, uh, and of course, you know, I mean there were lots of things that then happened at Inter Miami. They have been covered quite thoroughly in other places. Uh and so we don't need to recap that all here. It's not entirely fair to look at inter miami after he left versus before he left and say well they're a lot better now yeah i mean signing the best player to ever walk this earth is going to help um but they were also in a deep enough hole that signing the best player to ever walk this earth couldn't get him to the playoffs so i mean they were they were down there down there everybody remember what a what a Dumpster fire uh Toronto FC was this year just like absolute craziness, madness going on, really toxic locker room, all like broken roster, all the things. Miami was below them. So, not good. I think it's fair to say I I mean, look, folks kind of make their arguments based on coaches' resumes all the time. It's not an impressive one that Phil Neville's got. It's it's I think charitably, and I might lean into charitably. I think you would say the results have been mediocre. Uh, If you wanted to characterize it as poor, I wouldn't fight you. I think that's reasonable. And so I, I I again feel like I'm vamping right because there's other stuff to talk about. But so I mean that's kind of the baseline that you come in at. That this isn't like this isn't a guy who when he shows up when his resume lands on your desk you're like oh gotta hire him no doubt. Uh, he doesn't have that kind of resume.
1: Right. And that's, that's sort of where he's at in terms of past performance. And it's, it's, it's pretty clear. I mean, and, and pretty, you know, obvious to, to folks that look at it from, from an objective standpoint that, you know, he, he hasn't quite had that success maybe that, that you, you know, would want to tout if, if you're making this higher and that other coaches who are in contention, have had, particularly at the MLS level, there is also the factor of him being someone that is very clearly a well connected individual in MLS that, you know, is, is a big name, undoubtedly probably the biggest name period of, of the people that were the candidates and, and sort of through that has this, this strong support among talking heads and people who are in the MLS sphere that sort of look at it, you know, from a potential perspective and they say, look like in the right situation with the right staff, with the right roster, Neville is someone who could have a lot of success on the field as a coach. And I, I think that that's, you know, I think that's possible for a lot of people yeah. in ML <laughs> in MLS, that's right? but, but, You know, somebody like Neville, whose name carries that weight and sort of has those connections and and has the experience he has as a player. I mean, it's it's not impossible, but what we have seen so far at the MLS level and then to to some degree at the international level uh, with the sort of improvement that the England women's team made after his departure,
0: which is um, which is a better apples to apples comparison than than Miami. because that was yeah, largely beg- the same team and they got a lot better after he left.
1: Yeah. It, it begs the question, like, is he going to be able to, to find the success that he has yet to, to sort of find as a coach, you know, every, every coach's career is sort of you, you coach somewhere until you get fired or you step down, quote unquote, that's, that's the nature of the business, but it's, it's sort of a matter of what you do in that period that, that means a great deal more. and, there are other considerations here, as there you said, there certainly are, are
0: other considerations here.
1: There are other things that are that are, frankly, more front of mind for people in the city of Portland right now, particularly given everything that has gone on with this organization in the last couple of years Um and I'm going to I'm going to let you take it from there. <laughs> so,
0: you know, in many ways, what we've talked about to date, though, is is kind of the baseline. Right. Uh, you know, I agree with you. There have been a lot of folks who, who have said, I, I think, you know, Phil Neville in the right situation can really be a successful manager. That's an exercise in faith over experience. Maybe those folks are right. Um, maybe maybe there, there is something there that hasn't come out yet, but we haven't seen it yet. And we have, I mean, you know, a not insignificant track record. Of the four or five names that we've seen the Timbers connected to, frankly, I would, I, I would put Neville's just resume, objective resume, fourth or fifth. Um, it, it's not great. Uh, he just doesn't have a track record of success. And so that's sort of the baseline that I come into the other considerations um, point with, which is, you know, this isn't a must hire. And the other considerations are are very significant. You know, I think you laid sort of the the just the facts out well in in your story on organlab.com. Uh, but you know, it, the he the the primary source of concern comes from a sort of series of tweets that Neville made largely in the 2011-2012 period. So 11-12 years ago, right? That's only fair to point out and to consider that are deeply like ridiculously misogynistic. They're very bad tweets. Like even if you like the hiring of Phil Neville, don't defend the tweets. Yes, they're jokes. Extremely, extremely poor taste and poor judgment jokes. Like, and that's just it. Like there's no defending them. They a, a couple of them frankly crossed the line where I didn't even want to retweet them because I didn't want to put that kind of material into the universe. Like to perpetuate that kind of garbage. And that's what they are. They're garbage. And so I think there are a couple questions here. And and there are a couple points of view. On the, Both of which, frankly, I find reasonable. One point of view is that these are very, very bad things to say. That he said, look, in his mid-30s, this isn't a situation where it was a matter of youthful indiscretion with a not fully formed frontal lobe, um, you know, tweets at the age of 17 kind of thing. He was like in his mid-30s. He had been a public figure at the time that he made these tweets for a decade and a half. If he didn't understand the weight that his public comments could carry, I don't know what to tell you. And if he didn't understand that there could be consequences for public comments at that point, I don't know what to tell you. I And so... You know, on on one hand, I think some folks would say look, what somebody says at the age of thirty-four or thirty-five in this kind of forum is much more reflective of their character and judgment even later in life, even eleven or twelve years later, than what somebody might say at sixteen or seventeen or eighteen. And I look at those comments albeit decade-old comments, at the age of 34 or 35, after a decade and a half of public life. And I say, boy, I don't think that guy has the character or the judgment to be the coach of the club that I support and love. And frankly, I, I don't think that perspective is unreasonable. I think people of good faith can can say that. Even notwithstanding Neville's subsequent apolo- apologies, and he has apologized for them. He has said, I think the the quote was, they are wrong at the time, they're wrong now. I agree. And even notwithstanding those apologies, I, I think a person of, of good faith and good reason and good sense could look at those and say, that's not the kind of person whom I want to entrust important decisions in the club that I love with. And I don't think that's unreasonable. I think somebody of good faith and good character and good sense could also say, look, people make mistakes. Uh, People have stunted perspectives, even sometimes later in life than they should, and they still have the ability to grow and to learn and to, and they should have the ability to move on from those things. And these are old tweets. He has subsequently apologized. There, it's not like there has been a string of revelations from the last decade that reinforce that this is reflective of his current character. And I think people of good reason could say, look, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to, you know, sort of give him the second chance. And I don't think those things are disqualifying in terms of how I assess his character and judgment today to be entrusted to be a leader of the timbers. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable perspective too. Frankly, if you were to ask me which side of that debate I would come down on, I kind of feel like at hem and haw. Like I I'm I'm not going to go stand on a mountaintop here today and say Phil Neville should never ever coach any soccer team ever again. I I don't feel that strongly about that. I'm kind of ambivalent. In, in in the true sense of the word, between those two perspectives. And so, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know how I feel about the question of whether Phil Neville should be entrusted to coach a soccer team. But he's not stepping into a club that doesn't have context. And so, to a significant ex- extent, in, in figuring out how I feel about the hiring of the the Timbers hiring of Phil Neville. I don't even get to that question because there is context here. There is baggage here in Portland that frankly rhymes pretty closely with the baggage that Neville carries into the club. And, and look, I mean, I think back to not even a year ago when we had Heather Davis on, on the show. One of the questions that we asked, I, I can't remember who asked it, but it was probably you because you asked most of the good questions, was how do you regain fans' trust after all of the things that have happened over the course of the last few years? The revelations about the, the handling of, uh, of, of the Paul Riley situation, the abuse of Monashem and Sinead Fairley, uh, the, 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 the mishandling um, and, and the misjudgments uh, with the Andy Polo situation. Uh, And, and the heartbreaking consequences that, that, you know, the heartbreaking things that happened after that, uh, in light of all that, how do you regain the, the fans trust because the club has done things wrong in important moments with respect to domestic violence and protecting and respecting women, it hasn't gotten some things right. And it hasn't gotten some important things, right. And how, how do we trust that that's going to change? basically the, the, the question, sort of loaded in with all the context, <laughs> uh, that, that we put to her. And I thought her answer was, was very sensible. It was watch what we do. And, and the point was that the club will earn back that trust by demonstrating that it's on a better course now. Well, I'm watching, and frankly, a hiring like this wasn't what I was envisioning when she said watch what we do it's it's just it's just the kind of thing frankly that if the club took seriously it's obligation and its task of demonstrating that they have moved on and that they have learned from and grown from these earlier errors that the club Made these significant earlier errors that the club made that they wouldn't seriously consider a hire like this, and they wouldn't seriously consider reopening the wounds from the club's prior errors. And I like, I I think there is there is some dismissiveness of the way people feel about the club's errors that I think is unwarranted. People's relationship with their soccer club is not a transactional one, Uh, especially passionate fans. They're emotionally connected. And frankly, when fans learn about those prior things, you know what they feel? They feel shame because the club that they love and that they invest emotionally in, let alone financially, but they invest emotionally in really mishandled important things.
1: And speaking to that specific topic, sort of the fans' response to to how th- things have played out here, um, it hasn't just been a you know a few loud voices on Twitter or you know just a handful of you know people griping on social media because they hate Merritt Paulson or they you know don't like the current leadership of the club or whatever. The Timbers Army, the one of the most famous supporters groups in MLS, and you could argue in soccer globally at this point, given the reputation that MLS or excuse me, that the Timbers army has had with respect to, to sort of the tradition um, that, that they built. Um, the, the TA came out and said that they want the team to reconsider this forthcoming decision that, that they don't think Phil Neville should be the higher. And that's a significant step. And I don't think one that should be discounted by anyone in the situation that the supporters group that has essentially built this culture around this team over the last decade and a half is, is coming out and making this type of statement. Now, whether that statement sort of leads into, to potential action, if, if Neville is hired, you know, if there is some form of protest or, or if there is a bridge to be mended with with Neville if he ends up being the hire. Um, that remains to be seen. But the statement is unequivocal. It says that the Portland Timbers are currently rebuilding a team on the pitch in addition to their ongoing efforts to rebuild trust with their fans and the community. And the Timbers Army expressed disappointment. They, um, they are concerned about the sexist public statements that they believe run counter to the ethos as a club, city, and supporters group and i think this is a moment where the club has an opportunity to to bridge that gap and frankly it's more likely than not that they remain at odds in this issue and that you know neville does end up being the hire which is every sign is pointing to that being the case unless you know he makes the decision that he doesn't want to which i have heard nothing specific on that front to, to lead me to believe that'll be the case. But, you know, for all intents and purposes, Phil is going to be the the next coach. And so how does the club square that with the supporters group's response? Does it listen to that and address concerns? Does it care what they have to say or what they think at this point? We do Or don't should know.
0: supporters care what the club has to say at this point? I mean – that's kind of it. Like, if if your answer to how are you going to rebuild that trust is watch what we do, then you've got to do it. And what just kills me, frankly, as a fan about this whole thing, is that it's just so unnecessary. And I mean, you didn't have to hire Phil Neville. <laughs> like, there were other coaches who, frankly, just purely on the soccer merits of the fact would have been easier to justify than Phil Neville. Who we know are available. Who we've heard are connected to the Timbers. Frankly, there's one in-house. I think you could justify Miles Joseph just on the merits easier than you could justify Phil Neville. And I say that still believing very much my belief that the Timbers need new leadership and fresh ideas and a new course. And I one of the great frustrations that I've had over the course of the last four or five years is that it feels like we are just in a perpetual spin cycle of conflict between the fans and the club. And even sort of stepping back from my own perspective about where I think that conflict comes from and that kind of stuff, this just, this frankly feels like the club almost going out of its way to perpetuate that cycle of conflict. Because you don't need to hire Phil Neville. And it is obvious, and I underscore obvious, that if you hire Phil Neville, people are going to react this way. And to be clear, they're reacting this way in good faith. They're reacting this way in in sound reason, because there are reasons, real reasons to be, to, to be concerned and to say that is not the kind of person who I think should lead in particular this club at this particular time. And it's not hard to imagine why, right? I mean, imagine a situation like the Andy Polo situation comes back and happens again. It's not out of the question. These things happen two clubs from time to time, does adding Phil Neville give you more confidence that the club will handle that right? Doesn't give me more confidence, even acknowledging the fact that his statements and his, his Twitter posts are old, even acknowledging that, that he has apologized for them, even giving him some credit for having grown since that time it doesn't give me more confidence and i'm not sure that the club has earned the benefit of the doubt of that lack of additional confidence in fact i don't think they have and so i the needlessness of this hire is is in many ways just the most baffling thing about this there were multiple candidates who were at least as qualified out there whom the timbers could have hired who would not have created this discomfort, and this controversy, and this conflict. And yet, they seem to have steered into this tree. And I I don't get it. I'm baffled by that. Uh, and it makes me feel like, maybe this is true, maybe it's not, subjectively in their own heads, but it makes me feel like they just don't care about perpetuating that conflict. That either they like it, or they're indifferent to it. And they're just gonna do what they're gonna do regardless, which frankly is a lot of the attitude that got us here. And so it like I said, I don't know where I come down on whether I think it's appropriate that Phil Neville coach anywhere ever. I I, I guess I don't have that I'm I'm torn on that question and I and I, I guess to some extent I, I feel like it's beside the point. Because I think he is a, a an inappropriate hire for this club at this time, and it's a needless hire. It's not something the club had to do, and the consequences are obvious. If if the Timbers didn't know what the reaction was going to be, my goodness. Like, it was obvious. And frankly, when we were sort of half-joking about it a couple weeks ago, don't hire Phil Neville... I didn't think it was possible. <laughs> like I said, I'm I'm Bill, or I'm having to eat my shirt. Uh, but when we we were sort of half joking, that was a lot of why, frankly, <laughs> because it was obvious what the reaction would be, and yet here we are. I'm I'm at a loss. It's just it's just in it's beyond tone deaf. Like it's beyond uh, a failure to read the room, and here we are.
1: That'll wrap it up for us this week on Soccer Made in Portland. Tomorrow, obviously, uh a shift in, you know, the the sort of discussion point here. The Portland Thorns are playing a, a major soccer game tomorrow. Uh to we're recording this podcast on Saturday morning. The Thorns play tomorrow, that's Sunday the fifth at four PM. Um against Gotham. NWSL semifinal. Thorns win, they're on to San Diego to play for another championship. Uh the introduction of Phil Neville as the head coach of the Portland Timbers is expected to happen early next week, barring any sort of roadblocks to that hire coming across the finish line. Um, we of course will keep our eye on everything related to to that situation and, and everything else, PTFC uh, over the next couple of weeks and into the off season. So, um, you know, thanks for joining us this week. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for putting up with the, uh, g-rated analysis from chris reifer even if <laughs> the people out there craved the swearing they they wanted to hear all of the words i'll, I'll, all, I'll leave those to your letters. imagination
0: you could probably fill in one or two more
1: yes so if, if if you were seeking the swears you didn't find them today but that's okay uh, follow us on twitter at soccer maiden pdx at chris reifer at ryan t clark and thanks again uh, Sean. And thanks again, Sean, for uh, for editing this podcast this morning uh, before he heads off to Eugene. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for joining us.